Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. More people in the U.S. are discovering Dia de los Muertos. Unlike Halloween, it's celebrated over several days and lifts up the spirits of the dead rather than fear them. Other cultures have different ways to celebrate the loss of loved ones. Michelle Science, licensed professional clinician associate and a mental health clinician in the School of Medicine, is our guest for this episode, and she explains what happens during Dia de los Muertos, how different cultures and religions grieve, and how to talk to your child about death so that they're not afraid of it. Ms. Science, welcome to our podcast. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center. My name is Michelle Sines, and I am a mental health clinician for the Cater T-Chat program. I started last December, and I work with students from pre-K through 12th grade. Everything is telehealth, and so we just help them with their needs. I do the intake part. I spend an hour and a half with them. And I ask them lots of important questions, and then with that, I find out what kind of needs they have, and then I present them at triage. It could be ADHD, depression, anxiety, or grief. And then when I triage them, they go to psychiatry or psychology, or they do brief skills with myself. Well, again, welcome to our podcast. It's mid-October, but we've been inundated with Halloween decorations and candy for at least a month, and some of those items contain Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos iconography, such as calaveras or skulls and calacas or skeletons. Is Dia de los Muertos just Mexican Halloween? Day of the Dead is actually not part of Halloween. It's a Mexican tradition, and it was actually first started in Mexico. There's a lot of other places that also celebrate it, but it began in Mexico. It's a two-day holiday that reunites the living and the dead. There's a lot of parts of it. It starts on November 1st with Dia de los Angelitos. It's the spirits of the children or Day of the Little Angels. And so on that day, they celebrate the children. They bring snacks and candies, toys, photos, and they bring them to the ofrenda that they make. And then on November 2nd is Dia de los Difuntos, Spirits of the Adults. And November 2nd is Dia de los Muertos, and it's the Spirits of All the Dead. How is it celebrated? There's different ways that they celebrate it. They make the ofrenda, which is the offering. They have a table that they decorate. They have marigolds, photos of the departed and their favorite foods and drinks. And depending on the person and their personality, it could be different kinds of foods. They could have different kinds of drinks. If it's a child, they'll have their favorite toys and their candies. The marigolds represent the path from the spirit world to the earthly world. And sometimes there are sugar skulls or calaveras, and they have a smile on them, and they have the name of the person because the skulls represent 
happiness and just kind of smiling at death, saying that even though you're gone, we love you. You are here. We will always remember you. Also, they at the grave sites, they decorate them as well. They leave gifts, and they also leave other items. I grew up in a Mexican-American Roman Catholic home, and we would go to Mass on All Saints Day and leave flowers at the cemetery for All Souls Day. Are there other cultures or religions that have something similar around this time of year or for the anniversary of somebody's death? Yes. Ireland and Scotland are actually the places that started with Halloween and just decorating and leaving items for their families and just welcoming spirits back. In Poland, candles and flowers are left on grave sites as well, and they go and they pray for the souls. And in Cambodia, mid-September to mid-October, they go to the cemetery to celebrate the deceased ancestors and to also celebrate the elderly. And in Italy, they also celebrate the All Saints. And here in the United States, they celebrate Halloween, they celebrate All Saints, they celebrate Dia de los Muertos. It's just a mix of celebrations that bring back the souls and let them know that they are loved and they're always remembered, yes. How has COVID changed how we grieve? There's the day a person died and perhaps another day for the memorial, maybe another for the burial service. How are people coping with that? And is it helpful or has it hurt to stretch the grieving process? I think it's been very difficult for people in general to stretch the grieving process because even before COVID, people had a difficult time with grieving because they've lost a loved one and they didn't have the tools that they needed to grieve them in a healthy way because a lot of times grief and death are not talked about enough. It's kind of like with mental health. It's there, but you don't see it. You don't talk about it. And that's something that needs to change. And I think with COVID, it has We're speaking about mental health more. We're talking about grief more and death. And with it being stretched so much, there has been so much bereavement overload, stress overload, and many forms of trauma and many different kinds of losses. And we really need to start supporting and supporting people with their grief and talking about it more. Well, as I mentioned, My parents took me as a child to the cemetery around this time of year. Is it ever too soon to talk to children about death? And how do they process grief? I don't think so. I think that the earlier you start talking to children about death, the more helpful it is when they actually lose someone close to them. But when you do talk to children about death, it has to be in a clear and direct language. You have to model honest and emotional expressions. So when you do talk to them and they are very young, for example, at the age of three, if they find a dead bug, that's a good start with having a discussion with them because that's when you can start saying, okay, the bug is not coming back to life. It has died. We are going to bury it. Or even with the plant. So 
the discussion has to be in their language. So from three to five, you have to make sure that you use the correct language with them. So in processing grief for children, I always say, don't wait, be direct, validate their response, share your own emotions with them. Have an ongoing conversation. This is not something that you just stop and say, we're not talking about this anymore because they don't understand this, what is happening, because they might understand a little bit at one age and then they'll ask again at a different age and you have to change the verbiage and change the language because now they're understanding more. So, of of course, use age-appropriate books and always offer comfort. Let them see you cry. Let them see your emotions. They don't need lots of detail. They just need to know the basics until they're older. And two books that I always highly recommend are When Dinosaurs Die. And there are parts of the book that I always put a sticky note over because there are parts they don't need to know about yet, depending on their age. And there's another book called The Invisible String. And I love that book because it comes with a workbook. And I use that with um, the children I work with. And even my family members, they always ask me, what, what do I recommend? And I always use that book with them, even my own child. Last year, Dr. Tom McGovern, he gave us and our listeners suggestions on how we can remember and honor loved ones during the holidays. Is there an expiration date on grief? Is it in poor taste to keep bringing up those who have died, especially when we're celebrating? I don't think so. I think that for people, it is hard for them to just not talk about them. They always want to keep them alive in their heart and in their mind. And I think that other people have a difficult time with that because they don't know how to answer, react, or have an emotion to that. So they'd rather not talk about it. They feel uncomfortable. But I think that even if we sit with those people that are in grief and and in silence, that's all they need. So if people want to talk about it for as long as they want and keep their memories alive, I say, why not? All they need is just to know that their family member is alive. And one thing that I I read, it was a poem from Donna Ashworth, and it said, you don't just lose someone once, you lose them every day for a lifetime. You wake up and you think of them, you are in a moment and you a memory comes back and you think of them. You think of them when you see a certain item and you go to sleep thinking of them. So no, there's no expiration on grief, and I think that we need to celebrate them when we can. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes. Grieving is not a linear process. Grieving looks different for each person. And it, it, it's based on your personal relationship to who or what was lost. For, for some people, grieving may look like they're quiet and reserved, and other people are very emotional and they want to talk about it. You just have to walk with them in their, their grieving and just be there to support them. That's all they need. Well, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 
Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, and me, Melissa Whitfield. <laughs>